Well, praise the Lord. God is a good God. Can I get anybody to say amen? I said, God is a good God. I said, God is a good God. No matter what it looks like, come on, I got a shouting section in the back. My God, that's what I'm talking about. They shout amen at me in the back. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, I got some things I need to talk to you about. Sometimes you know your pastor just needs to talk to you. Is that all right? I'm going to preach. Don't you know? You know that. But I, I got some stuff I just want to talk to you about. I want to tell you today, I'm going to, I don't know how long this is going to last. It may be two, three weeks. going to be at least two weeks. I'm going to preach a series called Essential. That's a word we hear a lot about right now is essential. Some people have been deemed essential. Some jobs have been, a de- have been deemed essential. And then, but if your job didn't get a deemed essential, or if you didn't get deemed to be essential, if you're not careful, you will begin, the, de- the devil will begin, and if you don't protect your mind against this, the devil will be- begin to make you think that if you didn't get listed as essential, that must mean that you are listed as non-essential. Come on. I'm going to tell you right now, if you are breathing, you are essential. In fact, I want you to say that about yourself right now. I am essential. You know how I know you're essential? Because God doesn't make mistakes, and he doesn't make things up as he goes. He made you. He created you. He gave you a purpose. He gave you a destiny. And let me tell you something, brother. Let me tell you something, sister. You're still kicking and you're still breathing. You may not have the flat screen TV you want. You may not be driving the car that you've been believing God for. You might not be living in the nicest house in the neighborhood. But if you are still breathing, God says you are essential. You may not even have a job. You may be furloughed. Your company may be closed down. And in the natural it may seem that you have been forsaken but you have not been forsaken you are essential in the eyes of God and I want to go ahead and tell you right now you are essential to the church you are essential to your brothers and sisters we need you I ain't preaching I'm just talking that's how I talk praise God come to my house I talk this way to to my wife sometimes my wife says can you not just talk normal no I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot being said about essential, non-essential, essential. But not only has that affected people who say, well, I got to go to work because I'm essential, or I don't get to go to work because I'm not essential. It has also affected the economy. It has affected business owners who are struggling to keep their doors open. Because for whatever reason, I'm not coming against health officials, not coming against government officials. I'm just speaking fact here. If your business didn't get labeled as essential, more than likely you're struggling. Can I get an amen? Because especially if you're a service-based business where people have to come in and you have to do something with them, help them, assist them, cut their hair, something like that, to get paid. Am I, am I preaching to anybody today? Look, I'm not, this ain't a mean-spirited message. This ain't a spirit, this ain't a message that's based in any kind of rage, anger, offense. This is just a pastor of a local church trying to address something that needs to be addressed. Can I preach a little, huh? All this amen corner, can all y'all just shout amen? Woo, I just heard them all shout amen. Now, well, one of the Things, entities that, there again, I'm, I'm not trying to, I'm walking the fine line here because I'm trying to make sure I don't say everything that's on my mind right here because I'm broadcasting. But one of the things that for whatever reason didn't make the essential column, and I understand fully the health medical reason, I understand. Churches like to hug. Can I get an amen? Churches like to shake hands. Churches, churches, uh, you know, it's real hard to have a personal space in a loving church. So I understand the premise. I understand when you're trying to flatten the curve. I understand when you're trying to not 
infect others, especially those who have uh, preconceived, uh, uh, is that the word? What is the word? Pre-existing conditions and that are, that are the elderly and those so forth. So I'm not saying that it wasn't a decision that needed to be made. That's not what this message is about. This message is about how we see ourselves when we come out of this. Oh, y'all didn't hear me. When we come out of this and we are able to worship together again, and our governor, or whatever you're, wherever you're watching this, and by the way, this is not just an American thing. That's why it's called a pandemic. I have, I have a brother from Pakistan that I talked with messaged me this week. They're, they are under quarantine. They cannot worship together. They've been told uh, May, the, the last day of May now in Pakistan. In, in Kenya, they are not being able to worship together. People that I know all over the world, they're not being able to worship together just like us. So it's not just an American thing. It's not just a thing that pastors are, are, are helping to navigate through and churches have to navigate through. Here, it's all over the world because this is a pandemic. But I, what, but what I, and I don't want to use the word afraid because that's one thing we don't want to walk in is fear during this thing. But I guess I'm concerned as a pastor of my church and as a pastor to other pastors, a bishop to other pastors, and I see the struggles that they're going through trying to keep their people motivated, trying to keep them focused. I'm concerned that if we're not careful, we will subliminally allow the enemy to plant somewhere in our mind, and here's the worst part, somehow in our spirit, man, that worshiping corporately together and meeting corporately together is no longer an essential thing. Can I tell you something? The Bible tells us not only is it essential for us to worship together when this thing is over with, for us to come back with excitement and expectation, it is commanded that we make sure we gather together and worship even more so as you see the coming of the Lord drawing near. I wish I had somebody that would help me. I didn't ask you if you if, if you thought that I was uh, lined up politically correct or not. I'm just trying to be your pastor. Are you alive, church? If you want to shout amen, give me some amens on Facebook and, and YouTube. Praise God. Now listen to me. One great thing that's happened, it has caused pastors like myself and even churches that have never live streamed, that never thought it was important, it has caused pastors to become creative. It has caused pastors to think outside the box. And I want to say this. If we're going to continue to be relevant, if we're going to continue to be essential when we come out of this and we're able to corporately meet together, we cannot stop doing what we've been doing during this. We have got to continue to connect with a generation that has been raised on being able to watch whatever they want to watch whenever they want to watch it. So I'm encouraging you that if you think you're essential, if you think your church is essential to your community, then make sure you understand the magnitude and the dynamic of the moment that we're in. Let me, let me tell you how you find out, how you ask yourself if your local church is essential. And that is this. If you, if you closed down your local gathering, would your community even notice? Would your neighborhood or your city even care? Would your mayor be concerned that your church is no longer there? Well, if you can't know that answer, then I could tell you this. You may have considered yourself essential, but the truth is you've really only been essential to yourself. Oh, I'm preaching good. Well, let me tell you something. The community needs to know not only are you there for them, but that you're going to come back even stronger when the doors are open. Oh, and by the way, in case you're trying to misconstrue my words, the community also needs to know when the doors are open that you're going to be concerned 
for their safety and you're going to do everything you can do to create the safest environment for people when they come that you're not going to just haphazardly put people's health at risk. At Solid Rock Church when we open the doors, we're not we're going to make sure that you know when you come if there's a place anywhere in this region where you can come and worship and feel safe, we're going to create an environment for you to do that. I'm not telling you that we're not going to do that. We're going to do that. But when we come together, I don't care if we're social distance and we got to meet up in the balcony to spread everybody out and we meet every other pew and every person in the church has got a mask on. I don't care. It don't matter to me and I don't think it's going to matter to the church. Just the fact that we're in the room together and we begin to worship God and my God, how many, I'm going to tell you right now, you can worship God in a mask. You can worship God. Come on, y'all hearing me. That ain't, a, that ain't a lack of faith. My God, at this point, I'll do whatever i got to do for us just to get back together. Now, I have been told, and I hope this is true, that I won't have to preach in a mask, even if everybody else has to wear a mask, because I'm social distance away from you. Now, some of you are like, as much as you spit, you probably need one. Praise God. Are y'all alive? Tatiana's right now praying in the spirit right now. She's on the third row, and she's still praying for her safety. <laughs> Praise God. I know. See, there's social distancing, and then there's Pentecostal social distancing. That's a, that's a joke some of y'all get later. See, I preached a few weeks ago, and I'm going to say it again. Everything, say it, everybody in this room, say this with me. Everything has changed. Now, look, the gospel's not changed. That's not what I'm talking about. The message of the gospel has not changed. Do you think this is the first pandemic that the world has ever faced? There's pandemics that have faced this world that's killed over a million people. But the gospel survived every pandemic. The message of the gospel did not change because of a pandemic, world war, death by the millions. It's still here. So the gospel has not changed. I've given this example before, and for some of y'all that's watching this going, what kind of preacher? He ain't even read a scripture yet. Hang on. This is just, I'm just talking. I'm not preaching yet. This ain't preaching. I'll preach in just a minute. But I've given this example before that when I was a kid, most people that know me know that I was born on Elvis Presley's birthday. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. I just want to say <laughs> thank you for tuning in, baby. Thank you. No, okay. So I was born on Elvis's birthday, January the 8th. Okay, so y'all need to know that because next January 18th, you send me a birthday present. But January 8th is the king's birthday, okay? So my mother was and probably is and has been my whole life the biggest Elvis fan I ever knew in my life. And, of course, can you imagine being a huge Elvis fan the way she was? And if you read my book, you read, you read that even tragedy was tied to her love for Elvis in chapter one of my book. But the reality is this. Uh, I was so raised on Elvis that some of my earliest memories that I, could, that I could remember, and I even remember seeing home videos of me when I was two and three years old, holding on, or I was actually younger than that, I was barely even starting to walk, so I was a little over a year old, holding on the side of the stereo and dancing to Elvis, praise God. Although I couldn't hear it on the movie, they told me that's what it was. So what was I dancing to? I was dancing they tell me to hound dog. Hand on my hand. No. Rock not down. Oh, I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. Praise God. But the first time I ever heard Hound Dog, I heard Hound Dog on a record. Some of y'all only know what a record is. Called an album now. It, and the size of that record was called, called a 33rd and a third. It was a 33 record. And, and, and you put that 33 record on a record player, and it's about this big. It had the whole album on it. Well, what long after that, I noticed something. I heard the same song, Hound Dog, sounded the same, maybe a little bit crisper, but it was on a little round things about half the size of a 33. It's called a 45. One side had one song on it. The other side is what we now use when we call B-side. We don't even know what we're talking about, but that's what that means. There was an A-side and a B-side. You had the main release on the front. You had Hound Dog on the front. Then you had another song ain't nobody ever heard of on the backside. It's called the B-side. 
But you'd play hound dog on the A-side. But then, not long after that, I saw this new thing that come out. We'd call it a cassette. I heard hound dog on a cassette. Same song, never changed, same recording. Now it's on a cassette. Wasn't long after that, I heard it on a CD. Got crisper, sounded better, was amazing. Wasn't long after that, I heard it in an MP3. Now I can take them around and listen to them on Spotify. I don't even have to have them saved on my, on my, on my phone. It's in the cloud. But it's the same song. The only thing that changed was the delivery method. Come on, somebody. Y'all ain't hearing me. The gospel has not changed, but if we're going to be essential pastors in churches, you better understand we got to learn how to deliver this gospel maybe in a different way. Come on, somebody. The local church, say this with me, the local church is still the hope of the world. Now, before you judge me and say, Jesus is the hope of the world, not the local church. I don't need no building to understand the the hope of the world. Ain't no building died on the cross for me. Jesus shed his blood for me. I don't need your big fancy building with your chandeliers and your padded pews. Huh? Let me tell you something. I understand that. But you know how the world learns about Jesus? You know how the world, is the, the message of the gospel is being promoted? It ain't being promoted. Listen, no disrespect to the local bank, but the gospel's not being promoted by the local bank. It's not being promoted by Walmart. It's not being promoted by Costco. It's not being promoted by Lowe's or Home Depot. I know there's believers that work there and may share the gospel, but the gospel is going to the world from the local church. I wish I had somebody shout, the local church is essential. You know what I'm hearing now? I'm hearing more and more people say this. Well, you know what I figured out during this? Y'all found a way to have church without a building. You telling me all the time. You posting all the time online. The church is not a building. We are the church. Well, then why do you even need a building to go back to? Just keep doing what you're doing. Let your pastor, let him be your pastor. Let him live stream from his living room. And, you you know, just go ahead and worship for him from your living room. And you can eat your, your waffles and, and you can eat your cereal right there in your pajamas with, with your bed hair. And you ain't even got to get up. So hi, that's the best of all worlds. You're the one that keeps telling me the church is not a building. The church is a person or a people. Why do you need to go back? Well, the people that are saying that do not understand what the local church is for. The local church does not make the people in this place be the church. The local church building, why we must have it, is because that is where we are equipped to be the church outside of the building. Oh, y'all are here. Somebody say the purpose of the church is to disciple me. See, one of the greatest Bible teachers that's ever lived on this earth, he's with Jesus now, was was Dr. Miles Monroe. Dr. Miles Monroe's books changed my life. I understood more about the kingdom. If you want to understand the kingdom, there is no book ever been written in the history of civilization that is like a book called Rediscovering the Kingdom. You need to read Rediscovering the Kingdom. You will never, ever, ever hear the word kingdom in Scripture again and think of it the same way after you read that book. It is unbelievable. But there's also books that he wrote about praise and about purpose. The book that he wrote on purpose also changed my life. It's been, it's been required teaching to our leadership and, and come in and out of our ambassador's Bible college over the years. But one of the most powerful statements that he makes in this book about purpose, I want you to know today, because I'm talking about what is essential. I'm talking about the church today, the local church being essential. In order for it to be essential, you've got to understand what his purpose is. This is what he says. Where purpose is unknown, abuse is inevitable. Where purpose is unknown, abuse is inevitable. When you know the purpose of something, then you will do 
what that thing was created to do. But when you don't know the purpose of it, and it's just a widget or it's just something that somebody gave you, and you don't understand why it was created, you will, by nature, start finding uses for that widget that it was not created to do. The example that I always give, I always pull my keys out and I always say that this key right here has a purpose. Not only does it have a purpose to be the, the means that goes into the ignition of my truck and I turn it and it has the power to set everything in motion that needs to happen to cause that engine to crank, to cause the next, the, the series of events that come after that. When I, when I pull down the lever on the, on the, on the, on the lever there on the steering wheel and I go into drive and I, and I begin to move and the wheels turn and the radio works and the air condition works, it all works because this key first went into the ignition and it turned. Now it has a purpose. It is to ignite all of those events. But if you stick this key into the ignition of your car, it might slide in there, but it will not move because it was created not just to crank a truck. It was created to crank my truck. And if I put it inside your truck and try to force it to, to crank your truck, it will break. If I use this key, to, as many of us have done, and think that what that really is is a mini pry bar, and we start prying things open, and all of a sudden we look up and we've bent the key and 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 then we, we try to bend it back straight. We think, oh, it's all good. I'll just bend it back straight. And when you do, the thing breaks. And then you get mad and you throw your keys up against the wall. And some of y'all might cuss the keys out, praise God. But if the keys could talk to you, the keys would scream back from, from laying in the floor going, don't get mad at me. That's not what I was created to do. It's not my purpose. So we've turned the local church into something that it was not created to be. It's not created to be your God. Some people will put the local church ahead of God. The local church is not your God. You don't serve your local church. You serve God in your local church and outside of it. Are y'all hearing me? The church is essential to the community the church is essential to the nation, and the church is essential to your well-being. But people are leaving the church by droves. Why? Why have they deemed the church unessential? Now, some, thankfully our governor, governor and our government did not do this, but some by implication, and even things I've heard in talk radio have done this. They have put the church... When they, the last order that came down from our governor here in the state of Alabama had, you know, the essentials, what was already deemed essentials that was already open, and then they began to reopen our state, and the next phase was what they called, uh, you know, I don't know what they were even called, but these are the new things now that are open. Safer at home, safer at home. And the safer at home was, you know, now these things are still open. But now watch this. Thankfully, it wasn't listed, and I do believe probably some people would have loved to have been listed, but thankfully some people said this would be a public relations nightmare if you do this. But the other column on the paper that was official said, what has not changed? It says what was already open, what has now changed, and what has not changed. And in the what has not changed column was called entertainment. Now stay with me. In entertainment, you have movie theaters, restaurants, Bowling alleys, and how in the world cutting hair is entertainment, I don't know. But that was in there. But you had the entertainment and all these others. But watch this. They didn't say it. But when you heard people talk about it on the radio, you could see that they were implying that church was in the entertainment column. Now, I understand what they're saying and where they're coming from when they're talking about gatherings like a concert, very similar to people being close to one another, worshiping together. I understand the mentality of thinking that, of, of when, a, when a pure black and white looking at it that way. But what I'm concerned about is that when we come out of this this whatever we want to call this, that on the other side of it, 
people are going to look at the church the same as they look at a movie theater. But I got news for you. What you get at a movie theater is not what you get in the local church. Huh? What you get in a restaurant, what you eat in a restaurant is not what you eat in the house of God. Huh? Oh, we got lights. We ain't got smoke yet, but I guess we need a smoke machine if we're going to be cool and relevant. Come on, I'm going to have to blow smoke up in here. And You know, I have heard that some people's putting sanitizer inside their smoke machine, praise God. Come on, we'll just, we'll just sanitize the house with a fog machine, praise God. Yeah, we need some things exploding and fireworks. So I'm not going to say that it's not fun. I'm not going to say that you're not entertained when you come to church. I try to be funny sometimes. I mean, y'all know I am hilarious. My jokes are un- incredible, right? Why, why do I hear crickets? Why do I hear crickets? But, you know, my wife will attest to this. I am no Brad Pitt. Although sometimes I, I mean, I think, you know, I look at myself in the mirror, hey, you're the man. And she'll go be like, uh, no. But what I'm trying, trying to be funny, trying to make light of the situation, but I'm here to tell you, we are not entertainment. We are anointed. Oh, we have an unbelievable praise team whose talent levels would allow them to play anywhere they wanted to play. But they choose to serve God and to lead us when we come together into the presence of God. Oh, my God, they do it because they love Jesus. They do it because they want to be instruments in the hands of Almighty God. Woo! I wish somebody would shout, yeah! Now, I'm going to preach. Hebrews chapter 10. I'm going to be a preacher. Okay, I'm going I'm I'm to stand still and I'm going to speak like this for those that are just turning in, tuning in. Let us read the Holy Scriptures. It's found in the great book of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Continue as we read. And let us not neglect... Our meeting together. I can't do it. Let us not meet and not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Woo! I don't know about y'all, but I need to be with God's people. I need to be with the local church. The local church was designed by God to have a purpose. I want to talk to you just real quick. I'm going to go fast. I promise you I was kidding about not preaching before. I'm over halfway done. I'm on the backside of this mountain, y'all. But the local, one of the things that the local church was created to do was to be a distribution center. This is where you come to get something. If you're not getting something, and I'm not talking about just a great sermon and a great experience. I'm talking about love. I'm talking about accountability. I'm talking about empowerment. If Look, we have a food bank here. We minister to people in the food bank. We send out missions. We build churches. This is an equipping station. Are y'all hearing me? There are many things that can only be provided in the local church. Cannot be provided anywhere else. On the spiritual side, one thing that the church is the launching pad for, nothing else can do this but the local church, is what is known as the fivefold ministry. God placed the fivefold ministry within the church and launched with from without the church. The, what are they? They're found in Ephesians. In the book of Ephesians, it tells us about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And then it goes on to say the purpose of them. So don't abuse them. For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. So for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. That's Ephesians chapter 4. So... This is why the church 
become so irrelevant to some people and people have been burned out because people and even the gifts themselves, the preachers themselves, have begin, begun to use the office in, in, to do things that they were not created to do. God did not create apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So if you are one of those five, you can make a lot of money. Well... I ain't got a problem with you making a lot of money, and God ain't got a problem with a pastor being blessed. But God did not call you into the ministry just so you could sell a book or make money or live in a nice home or fly in a jet. They ain't got a problem with none of that. But if you, you are abusing that gift if you think that's why God called you to that place. Huh? God called you to that place to equip the saints is what Ephesians chapter 4, for the work of the ministry. And if you equip the saints for the work of the ministry, guess what will happen? God will bless you. God will bless you. So the five-fold ministry gifts can't come from a local retail store. I'm thankful for them. I'm thankful for them. Don't get me wrong. I'm thankful for what has been known as essential and things that are open. I'm not coming against any entity, any business. I'm not saying that they shouldn't be essential or whatever. I'm not coming against any declaration. That is not the heart of this message. The heart of this message is for us not to forget because we're now down to weeks now. Weeks. It is of my opinion. Listen to me. I don't have proof of this. I don't have any evidence of this. This is just of my opinion. It is of my opinion, and I'm praying, and I'm hoping. And, you know, don't get mad at me if it don't happen. But mentally, I want you to know I am preparing myself. For two weeks from today, there's going to be people in this building. I am preparing for that. I don't know. I've been surprised by the government already. But what I'm saying is on May 14th, May 15th, for us in the state of Alabama, this order ends. So I don't know what that's going to look like. If they open churches, it may be that we still don't have many more people than we have now when it's open. But it's at least a first step. I am preparing myself, and we are preparing to, for people, for actual people, not just online, to come together and worship. And I'm just trying to remind you of what you're coming back to. You're not coming back to a building. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me today. I ain't got nobody helping me preach today. Y'all are not coming back to a building. You're coming back to an idea that was created in the heart of God. The church was not invented by the 120 in the upper room. The church was invented and created by Jesus. The Holy Spirit was sent to us in Acts chapter 2, not just so we could speak in tongues and prophesy and dance and get drunk in the Holy Ghost. Let me make sure I say in the Holy Ghost. But so that the church could be established. Are y'all hearing me? That's what you're coming back to. You're coming back to an idea that was created in the heart of God. Not the heart of man. Oh, I'm sorry if you've been hurt. I'm sorry if, if someone's abused you in the church. Lord have mercy. I'm very sorry about that. If your pastor, you know, has not been a pastor or, or somebody has not, you know, loved you and your church just doesn't have a welcoming spirit, can I say this in a loving way? Because we don't proselyte anybody, but I can tell you this, you know, if you're driving distance to Birmingham, Alabama, and you and you you thought there was no churches left that would love you and accept you and empower you and and, and be there for you, you know, let me invite you to come to Solid Rock when the doors are open. Praise God. Already several of you, and I'm so excited, people that's never attended our church, that have been on our online campus, that live in the driving distance of Birmingham, have already told me, met, private messaged me and commented that the first days the doors are open, you're coming to visit us. We can't wait to meet you. Let me tell you something else about the local church. Y'all still with me? The local church, watch this, is a place of a special manifestation of his presence. Now, understand what I'm saying. Am I saying that the Holy Spirit cannot fall in your kitchen just as powerful as he can fall on this stage? No, of course. I have felt the Holy Ghost just as strong in different places, various places around my home, at other people's home, outside, cutting grass, in other countries. Don't want to gross y'all out, but I felt the Holy Ghost taking a shower. Huh? I've always thought, thank God I didn't fall out, praise God. 
Come on. Are you not entertained? But when we come together, there's something about corporate worship, y'all. I don't know about you if you've ever been a part of a church, but I'm talking about there have been times that I was so sick I was, I, or just depressed, or down, aggravated, mad, but walk into the house of God. Just take one step into the presence of God where people are worshiping God and everything changes. Physically, healed of the sickness. I read your, your comment, Anthony, the, yesterday when we had our drive through prayer. We had drive-through prayer, y'all. That was awesome, man. I mean, we had people come through we hadn't seen in six, seven weeks. They were weeping and crying. We didn't go over to the car. We didn't touch them. They just rolled their windows down. And at a safe distance, we just spoke and loved and waved and smiled and spoke the name of Jesus. And he told me, he said, I didn't get to come. He said, but I was so sick. He said, I, I had already contacted the doctor and all this. He said, but while I'm sitting there, I turn on the live stream and I watch you praying for the people at my church. And what happened, Anthony? You were in. Instantly healed, wasn't you? I'm talking about instantly. He said all the pain, the sickness, everything left him. Instantly. Still gone. Still gone. Still gone. I'm talking about just watching a live stream. That's what happens when God's people come together. See, the Bible says in Matthew 18, 20, where two or three are gathered. Somebody say gathered. Where two or three are gathered together in my name. I am there in the midst of them. Now, we know God's everywhere. We know God is, is omnipotent. He's everywhere. But we're not talking about where he's at. We're talking about his presence and his anointing. His anointing, the, notice what it says, not just when two or three people get together, the anointing shows up. He says, but when they get together in my name, when they get together in my name. So in other words, everybody that's uh, congregated all around the world in groups doesn't mean the presence of God is, is going to move on those people. God is there, but I'm talking about the presence of the anointing of God does not come on them. But when you gather together in the name of Jesus, when you start lifting Jesus, he said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw men into me. When you start lifting them up corporately, something happens in the atmosphere, y'all. I'm talking about one can chase a thousand, but two can chase. 10,000. When, when any two or three of you get together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Hallelujah. It's called the corporate presence of God. Think about what happened when they dedicated Solomon's temple. They began to praise God. There was not the sound of a hammer and a chisel to be heard on the top of the mountain when they were creating that temple. They cut the stone at the base of the mountain. I want you to think. I'm talking about some of these boulders and stones was as big as most of this stage extension, weighing thousands of tons. They cut them out with a hammer and chisel, tied them to some kind of mechanism and ropes, and people pulled them, and animals and people pulled them up the mountain and then set them in place. And God said, it better be right when you get up here because you, gon', you ain't going to be able to chisel it to make it fit because I don't want the sound of anything natural and human being heard in the construction of my temple. The only thing I want to be heard in the construction of my temple is praise and worship from the Levite priests both day and night. And 24 hours a day, they praised God until that thing was finished. And then the Bible said they all came in there together, still praising God, and God's presence came into the temple when they gathered together in his name, and a cloud of the glory appeared in the midst of the people, praise God. And the Bible said the preachers, the priests could not even stand to minister because of the cloud, by reason of the cloud. I preached it many times before. That word reason in the original Hebrew is the word paneum, which means face. And watch what happens. When we come together and praise God. It's like a sweet anointing that goes up to the nostrils of God like, like a, a perfume that he can't resist. And when the people of God praise him together in the house, he has to come down and stick his face in the... <sighs> Hallelujah. See, when we come to church, we should expect God to move within a special way. 
Oh, yeah, we all expected to move in our house. But when we get our kids up and we get our family up on a Sunday morning, we need to start teaching them. No, no, look, listen to me. Make sure your house is a house of God. But also make sure, no matter how anointed you are in your living room, no matter how many times you pray and study with your kids and worship music is filling your house, there needs to be an understanding, an expectation in your house that this is the day of the Lord. Oh, this is the day of the Lord, kids. Oh, all that we've been doing this whole week has been building to this moment. Get in the car. We're going to church, kids. Get in the car. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Don't look at your kids and say, well, if they don't want to go, I can't make them. When I was a kid, my entire life I had a drug problem. Huh? My wife, my wife. I might as well say my wife because she's just like my mama. (laughs) I love you, baby. But my mama would drag me to church. I mean, I just butchered the joke. It was going to be a great joke, but I just butchered it. I had a drug problem because I was drugged to church even when they want to go. (laughs) It was going to be a good one. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All, All my... All my peeps here, they're, they're still smiling at me, even if y'all ain't laughing. They're, some of them's laughing, right? I can see them. Look at James Michael. He's got his tongue stuck out. He's being, he's being crazy. How weird is that? James Michael being crazy. I don't understand it. <laughs> I'm a little giddy this morning. Now watch this. Listen to this. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20 says this. Having been built on the foundation. Now listen to this. The foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Oh, you got to get this. In whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. So see, there's an actual physical temple and then there is something called the church. The church is not built with stone and bricks and mortar and steel. The church, capital C, us, the body of Christ, is built in a different way. But it still has a foundation. Oh, y'all ain't hear me. The strongest part of your house is your foundation. If your foundation is cracked and is sinking, I don't care how pretty your house is, it's going down. Am I right? So we also understand that God teaches us in the natural how to understand spiritual principles. The Bible even says first the natural, then the spiritual. That's why it says you'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of living water. And we understand what that means about a tree so we can learn the principles of what it means for us to be planted. You with me? So if that's the case, he teaches us in the parable of the man that built his house on solid rock and the man that built his house on sand. They both looked the same until the storm came. When the storm came, the house that was built on the sand fell apart and sunk, but the house that was built on the solid rock was able to withstand the storm. So we understand that God teaches us that way. So if the house of God that we just talked about, the temple of God, Solomon's temple, was built with gigantic stones, Then we see Jesus is trying to tell us that was just a type and shadow of what I wanted inside the building. See, the church is a church within a church. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. Until the church comes in, the church building, the church building is just a building. But when the church comes in, the church, the church turns the church building into the church. Hear me? Jesus. So now watch this. That this church, this building has a foundation. But the church that's in the church building has a foundation as well. Built on the apostles and the prophets 
and the cornerstone that was set in place before anything else was it was everything else was built around it. That's what a cornerstone is, y'all. Do you understand? When they would back in those days, they don't necessarily do it that much anymore. But back in those days, it was a big deal. That's why they have groundbreaking ceremonies. They would take a they take a shovel and they stick it in the dirt. That doesn't mean anything to us today, except for a photo op. But their origins of the groundbreaking ceremony was that they would break ground and it would be people would gather. They would clap. They'd be so excited. And while they're standing there and they dig the ground, they would have already dug a spot out beside the ceremonial part that was a hole that was pretty deep. And then multiple men would bring in a giant stone, a lot of times carved with the year or carved with the builder's name and so forth. And they would bring that cornerstone in and they would set that cornerstone in the corner of where that building would be. And they would pour stuff on it, lay stuff on it, whatever. Whether it's holy or, or, or not holy, that's not what I'm here to say. I'm just here to say there was a ritual about that. And they, they put it in a place where it didn't have to be moved because it was understood that everything in construction, the foundation, the blocks, everything was going to be built on and around that block. That's why the Bible says Jesus is the chief cornerstone. He's the stone that the builders rejected. What does that mean? The stones that the natural builders rejected. In other words, the people who did not deem what he was trying to build to be essential. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. The stone... It wasn't just the stone that they rejected. It was everything that he wanted to build on that stone. Oh, this is good preaching, y'all. Whether you like it or not. Some of y'all squirming. Everything we know as a believer was built on the foundation of the chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ. And what he did on that cross when he came back from the dead. Huh? And the apostles' doctrine. In the thousands upon thousands of years, in the millions upon millions of people who have served and preached the gospel, many of them killed and martyred, stoned, beat up, chopped up, crucified, burned alive, so that we could have a gospel, so that we could meet. And we want to say, well, you know what, the church, I'm just a little burnt out on the church because, you know, I don't need all that, all that smoke and mirrors and lights and all that, you know. I just think that I'd just rather, I'd just rather stay here in my house and, you know, I've got a little devotion that I do with my kids and, and, you know, we'll watch a, we'll watch a a few videos on YouTube and, and then we'll, we'll, we'll just go spend some time out in nature and, and have an encounter with God out there in nature. I, you know, I don't need all that. Go read Fox's Book of Martyrs. Go study what the church had to go through. Why? Not because they wanted to be a believer in private, but because they wanted to worship God together corporately. They wanted to meet together and do what we have taken for granted now. And they were arrested. They were dipped in tar. They were nailed to poles and set on fire to light the streets of the Roman Empire. And they used the flaming, burning flesh of Christians to light their way to go eat dinner. And Fox's Book of Martyrs says, as they're dying, they're singing praises to God. Why were they doing it? They were doing whatever they had to do to make it possible for us to do what we have now taken for granted and to call irrelevant and unessential. We have forgotten the foundation of the local church. Who I feel the Holy Ghost. The local church is where you are discipled. The local church is where you grow. Where you grow. Acts 2.42 says this, the early church, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That's the foundation. Oh, y'all don't want me to read the rest of this. Listen, I'm just going to read the Bible. This is the early church. And they continued, watch this, steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. 
and in the breaking of bread. Listen, I can break bread in my house. We had communion right before Easter on Zoom. It was awesome. I can break bread and have a cup of juice in my house sitting in front of a Zoom screen, and you can do the same thing, and it could be powerful. But there ain't nothing like it when we're doing it together in the same building. Huh? Don't let that scare you. I ain't going to make you drink out of the same cup and eat the bread off my bread. got my own bread. I eat my own bread. Eat your own bread. Huh? Somebody, oh, God, you one of them church, you're going to make me drink out of the same. I'm not even judging people that do that. I'm not even talking about that. Don't let your mind go there. Think about what he said. He said what made the church strong, what kept them through all of that, where they could stand and not deny Jesus Christ is because they had the apostles doctrine. They were standing on the foundations of the church, but but beyond that, what they had fellowship, they broke bread together from house to house. Are y'all hearing me? Listen to this. Every believer needs to hear their pastor teach the Word of God. Huh? Sheep need a shepherd. Well, I can watch you online. Yeah, but what happens when a storm comes through and you ain't got internet or power? Huh? But if you got a church you're a part of, if you can get out of your driveway, you can drive down there, and if they're having church, you can have church. But even beyond that, Sort of a silly thing I'm trying to say there, but what I'm trying to say is you've got to have something more than a smartphone. Huh? Some of y'all follow people. You ain't never been to their church. Now, I'm not talking about some of those that might be watching us that, ain't, that this has been your church. You heard me say at the beginning of this service, and I'll say it again. If you can't get to this building, I'm praying you find somewhere you can get to. And make that your church. I'm praying that God sends you a pastor that you can have locally, that can be there with you, that you can tithe to, that you can be a part of. Till then, this could be it. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, some of y'all gonna found you a small church that you like going to, but you don't even tithe to them. You tithe to somebody else that you watch on here that might be a, quote, better preacher, might be more entertaining, so you're going to give finances to them. But the reality is this. What's going to happen when somebody in your family passes away? You think they're going to come preach the funeral? Huh? What's going to happen when your daughter comes home and tells you, Daddy, uh, you know, look what, look, look, look what she, I got a ring. He asked me to marry him. You think they're going to travel down from out of state in their busy schedule? Come marry your daughter off? You need a church. When you go through things like that, when your baby is born, huh? You want people coming to see you from your church, loving on you, connecting with you, having a small group? You need to find you a local church. My God, I'm preaching good. It's 1147. I'm almost through. I don't care how long I've been preaching. This is my pulpit, and I'll preach as long as I want to, as hard as I want to. You would, too, if this was your pulpit. (laughs) But it ain't. I'm telling you right now, I should go into comedy. What do y'all think? I mean, I mean, I think the next do they still have an open mic down there at the Stardome? Uh, next one, I want y'all to tell me because I'm going down there. I, I'm I, I got to get me a side hustle, y'all. <laughs> I'm gonna get me a side hustle. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be a comedian on the side because I'm telling you, I could do it. I feel it. If y'all was to see the audience here, how they're they're with me, they know I can do it. You know what the early church did? The early church, listen to this. This is powerful. One of the first Christian historians who lived less than 100 years after the resurrection of Christ, that's still early, y'all. Not even 100 years had passed since the resurrection of Christ, was named Justin Martyr. Listen to what he lived from A.D. 100 to A.D. 165. He wrote in those years about the practices of the first believers. And I quote from his writings. This is literally less than 100 years after the resurrection of Christ. He says this, And on the day called Sunday, all who lived in cities or in the country would gather together in one place, and memoirs or letters of the, or what we call gospels, they, he said memoirs, of the apostles or writings of the prophets of the Old Testament Scriptures, they would read out loud as long as time permitted. Then when the reader had ceased, he says the president is the word he used for it, or pastor, verbally would instruct 
and exhort to the imitation of these good things that they had read. That sounds like a church service, equipping the saints. So less than 100 years after the resurrection, they were gathering together in one place, and a man would open up a letter, and he would read some of the letters that we preach from today. And at the end of reading, he would close the scroll up, and then he would step aside, and he would begin to break down what he just read so that they could understand how to live by the principles that the apostles had wrote about. That's what a pastor does. Am I preaching right? Say amen. I'm almost through. Church, local church gathering increases your faith, enables spiritual growth, renews your mind, corrects and protects you, gives you prophetic guidance, gives you the inspiration that you need to make it through everything in life. That's not everything. You ought to have that in your personal life. But sometimes, can we be real? I'm the pastor of this church. I've been pastoring this church for over 25 years. I've been preaching for 30 years. Do you think for a moment that there has been a season in my life where I just felt like for a long period of time I just got this thing and I don't need God? Let me tell you something. That's crazy. I need the church as the pastor of this church just as much as you need the church. When I stood out there, those that were with me know, when I stood out there getting ready to pray over the people that would come through the drive-thru prayer yesterday. I'm telling you, I, when I saw the faces of the people that I love and, and call my church family, I was overwhelmed. I couldn't stop from crying because it, they, they might have been blessed to see their pastor, but they don't know how much they blessed their pastor for me to see them. I need my church just like you need your pastor. Your pastor needs you and you need your pastor. Somebody shout, we're in this thing together. last thing I'm going to tell you is this. The local church is a place of united worship. I'm going to hit them fast. Psalm 35, 18 says, I will give you thanks in the great assembly. I will praise you among many people. Psalm 111, 1, praise the Lord. I will praise him with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. Psalm 1 and 34, 2, Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Hebrews 2.12, I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will sing praise to you. We've always met together. Even in the Old Testament, we've always met together and praised. We've always fellowshiped together. Now the last thing I'm going to say, and I promise you I'm going to pray, is this. Somebody that's very close to me. I don't want to say who it is because I don't want to get his name out there to cause him any problems, although I don't think he would worry about it, but just out of respect. He said, I ask. He has a close relationship with some government officials. He said, I talked to my mayor and some other high-ranking officials. And I said, what makes Walmart Sam's, Costco, and so forth, essential. What made you deem them essential? And this is what they told him, told this pastor. Because they are a grocery store. They said, take for instance, Walmart. Walmart didn't used to be a grocery store before it became a super center. Some of you are old as, as I am. You'll remember when Walmart started coming up, they, were, they didn't have groceries. They might have had a candy bar, and that's about it. It was, a, it was a place much like a Kohl's or something like that where you would go in and buy just retail things, TVs, clothing, so forth. He said, but when they added groceries, he said, long ago, these retailers knew behind the scenes if something was to ever happen, they need to make sure that they were deemed, whether they used that word at that time or not, as essential. So they added groceries, not just for a profit margin, which was a huge decision, but to make sure because they know no matter what happens, people have to eat. Are you hearing me? So that's why you have people who sell the same things that Walmart does 
and even Sam's. TVs, electronics, paper, clothing had to close where these businesses that sell the same thing as these retailers were able to stay open. Not because they were big and a conglomerate and because they had a bunch of employees. It's because they had groceries. So this is what he said. He said, so what the government is trying to tell us is that the most essential thing that you need is bread in the natural. But I'm going to tell you something, and I agree with that, in the natural. Food is essential. Can I get an amen? How many likes to eat? If you didn't say amen, you're a liar. Because you like to stay alive. How many likes to breathe and stay alive? Then you got to eat. Some of us like to eat more than others. Now watch this. Listen to what happened when Jesus faced the devil face to face. Matthew chapter 4. Then I want you to listen to, the, to this right here. Listen to the, have a big picture of mine here. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness. How many feels like we are in a wilderness to some extent? Into the wilderness and was tempted or tried by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Now, we haven't fasted 40 days and 40 nights, but we've had to deal with a lot less and things that we want in our life and some of us that we even actually need in our life, we've had to do without. And it's been just a little over 40 days. Watch this. 40 days and 40 nights. And afterwards, he was hungry. Now, watch this. To the natural body, food is absolutely essential. So if you sell food, if there's a way for you to stay open, we need you to stay open because we need to eat. Can I get an amen? So his body was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, because he saw that he had him. He saw that he had Jesus in the natural. He knew that Jesus was hungry. He knew that Jesus was desperate. He knew that Jesus, if he was like most people, of course, which he wasn't, he would do whatever he had to do to choose something that his body said was essential over even what his spirit man was trying to get him to do. Are y'all getting this? He saw that he was hungry. He says, okay. If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. He appealed to the physical, essential side of humanity. And most people have chosen the physical, essential side of the world in which we live. Oh, y'all ain't here. But Jesus answered and said, It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So watch this. Every one of us have two sides. We have the physical and we have the spiritual. So we thank God for what is essential in the physical because it's called essential because this needs it to be sustained. But don't forget and don't mislabel the needs of the other side. Actually, the more important side. Because this is temporal. This will die one day. This will return to dust. But the real me, my spirit man, will live forever. But while I'm here, i got stuff to do. And I need to be led by the Spirit and not by the flesh. When I don't get food for the flesh, I grow weak. So I find what I need to sustain me. Some of you during this pandemic, I love you, but i got to tell you the truth. You've made sure that this was provided for, but you haven't made sure that the Spirit side of you have been provided for. And if that's you, Here's the awesomeness about the grace of God. You don't have to go back and fix anything. 
You don't have to go back and redo it the right way. All you've got to do is go to Jesus right now. If that's you, if you are ready to undo the mistakes, the choices, the sin, and you're ready from this day forward to deem your spiritual walk to be the most essential part, to determine I'm going to be a part of the body of Christ no matter what. You're ready to give your life to Jesus. I want you to pray this prayer. These that are in here with me and everybody that's watching all over the world, repeat after me. Jesus, I come to you now. I can't hear y'all talking. Jesus, I come to you now. Open, broken, and honest. I'm asking you, Lord, to forgive me of every sin I've ever committed. My past is buried in the name of Jesus. From this day forward, I choose you and you alone. You are my Lord and you are my Savior. Now listen, there's others I feel in my spirit that you burn out on church and you've heard, you've stayed with me and I thank you for staying with me when you didn't want to. You wanted to get out of here because you didn't like what you were hearing because you were done with the local church. But something kept you here you realize, man, I do need that again. I do need to feel that I'm a part of something bigger than just myself. I'm ready to come home, Lord. First of all, I'm ready to come back to you. Second of all, I'm ready to say, God, show me where I'm supposed to be so I can grow and be equipped. If that's you, say this with me. Jesus, I'm coming home. Forgive me for staying away. I'm coming home. I love you, Jesus. I'm a child of God. Amen. If that's you, praise God. I want you to let us know, whether it's on Facebook or YouTube, let us know. Let us know that you made that decision. Just tell us, say, I'm born again. I just got saved. Or I prayed that prayer. Or, Pastor, you were praying with me. It was me. It was me. Whatever how you want to word it to let us know. We'd like to take a few seconds, a couple of minutes, to give you time to give praise to God so we can rejoice with you. If you're watching this on the replay or on the watch party or someone shared this link with you and sent you this because they felt like it would be something that would bless you and you've made it to this point and you're praying that prayer, don't let the fact be that it's not live to not let us know. we got we got moderators, we got administrators, we got people from our church that's going to be going and checking and they're going to rejoice with you no matter what time, the day or night it is. I want to praise God with you. So as we're waiting for just a moment, I realize I'm over time. We got to start preparing our mindset, y'all. Pray for our governor. Pray for your governor. Pray for your city leaders. For our president. In the coming weeks, we will begin to see more and more of our country, our nation, your nation, around the world begin to open up. But here's the great thing: when we walk back in this building, we don't have to start over. We don't have to rebuild something. The foundation stones were set over 2,000 years ago. It's going to be stronger. It's going to be better. We love you. We thank you for tuning in.